Hey, I have an opening scenario for you as we begin our, our scripture study today. I'd like you to imagine that you are walking somewhere and, uh, and you arrive and then all of a sudden a bunch of people jump out from hiding places and yell, surprise! It turns out it's your birthday and this is a surprise party for you. And whoever planned this surprise party must have known you super, super well because every detail of this surprise party is perfectly in tune with everything you love. Okay, at your surprise party, your favorite people are there. They cook your favorite food. They're playing your favorite music. They plan to play your favorite activity or game. They brought you gifts that convey a real understanding of you they put candles in your favorite desserts. They even invited your favorite celebrity to drop by and say hello. This is the perfect surprise birthday party because of how perfectly it's designed for you. It might not be the perfect party for everyone, but it's the perfect party for you. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get with one or two people near you, and I want you to look around and make sure nobody is left out. So look around and make sure Everyone's included. Get with one or two people, and I want you to just describe for them a few of the details at that surprise party that would make you think, wow, they know me so well. All right, let's take a couple minutes for that. Okay. Hey, stay with your group. Stay with your group because there's going to be a second question. So stay with them. The exercise is not yet over. There was a lot of talking. It sounds like you, you could think of some things. It would be a great party. Okay, you ready for the next question? Let's now consider the opposite scenario. You're walking somewhere. You arrive in that place. People jump out and say, surprise. It turns out it's your birthday and they've planned a birthday party just for you. But whoever planned the party clearly has no idea who you are or what they love. Everything about the party makes you groan. The people who are there, the food they expect you to eat, the music they're playing, whatever game they want to play, the gifts, the dessert, the celebrity they invited. Everything is like the worst for you. Discuss. I notice, I notice this is an easy thing to discuss. And if you're online, you can uh, go ahead and comment in the, in the comments and discuss with each other that way. Hey, uh, I'd like us to draw on this exercise. We've now just thought about what would we love at a party that's in our honor and what would we really not like at a party in honor. Not hard for us to think about. So here's what I want us to do today. I want us to draw on this little exercise, this conversation that we just had, to think about how we celebrate Christmas this year. We're in our third week of the series, Doing Christmas. We've already looked at decorations and giving. And this week, we're thinking about gatherings. There's all kinds of gatherings. There's, there's, there's parties. Think about uh, the office Christmas party you might be invited to or your school Christmas party. 
you might be invited to or how you celebrate Christmas as a family with your immediate family. You'll probably maybe, some of you will visit other family members. You'll have a lot of gatherings, a lot of parties. All supposedly to celebrate Jesus' birthday. I want us to invite us to think about this morning How can those parties and gatherings be ones that Jesus would like to attend? How can we party like Jesus in his honor? Now, let me start what I don't mean. This is not a sermon with the classic Christian grumpiness about all the secularization that happens to Christmas and all the ways that the Christmas story competes with snowflakes and snowmen and uh, and Santa Claus. That's not what I'm talking about here. That's a whole different topic. I'm just looking inward in my own heart and life and our own hearts and life and our own plans for how we, not, not trying to police other people how they celebrate, but how do we celebrate our own Christmas gatherings? How can we do it in a way that would make Jesus smile? I don't want to throw a party for Jesus that he would show up at and be like, oh man, You guys don't know me at all. This party's lame. I want them to be like, all right. This looks like you guys planned this for me. This is is the kind of party I love. I love this. Are there little ways we can adjust our party so we can learn? Our goal for today, you ready? Our goal today is to learn how to party like Jesus. Amen? So what we're going to do, there is a scripture that I want to show you in which Jesus is at a party. He's not just at a party. He's also at the party sharing what he likes and doesn't like at parties. So it's a perfect scripture to guide us as we think about how can we party like Jesus in his honor. Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse one. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, so they're having like a dinner party at this Pharisee's house, He was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abdominal swelling of his body. And Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. And so taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Now I want to just point out a small detail at the end of that passage. It says he sent him on his way. Now, if the man had been invited to the party, I think after the healing, he would have sent him over to the bean dip (laughs) and to the eggnog, right? Like, you know, he'd be like, he's like, he's at the party. He's there to socialize. He gets healed. He continues to socialize, but now more comfortable The fact that the man uh, was not planning to stay there and she's not kicking him out of the party, what's happening here? Well, I think it's because the man crashed the party. He wasn't one of the guests hanging out, socializing, enjoying the people, just had a little abdominal swelling. No, like the party was a lot of healthy people. And then this sick guy comes and crashes the party. Now, when he shows up, nobody else talks to this guy. And when Jesus draws attention, everyone is just silent. They don't want to be part of this dilemma. They probably wish the guy 
didn't come by. He's ruining their fun. You know, he's like, hey, we're all healthy, happy, socially respectable people having a good time. And this guy comes in with this crazy physical condition and spoils the mood. I picture Jesus hanging out with some well-dressed Pharisees and he sees the guy and he's like, oh, would you excuse me a minute? And he walks towards this man with this swelling. And Jesus attends to him and he brings everyone's attention to him. Jesus helps him and then sends him on his way into the world restored. I picture the moment in which he walks over to the man who's crashing the party and I picture the music just stopping and everything's silent. They mentioned a couple times, everyone's silent, everyone's silent. And he heals the man and takes care of him. That's what Jesus does at a party. In verse five, then he asked them, if one of you has a child, because everyone's upset, he healed on the Sabbath, what's he doing? They asked him, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on a Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. They're just silence. This is really interfering with their Sabbath party. Because they have Sabbath party rules that we don't help people. And we don't talk to people who are coming in like that. But Jesus moves towards the person who's in need. And for Jesus... That is the soul of the party. Do we party like Jesus? Now, let's think a little bit about how we party at Christmas gatherings. Could be school, office, family, friends. We're all going to gather. In every social gathering I've ever seen, there always seems to be some cool people that everyone wants to be near. And there's other people who, for whatever reason, are standing outside the circle. They don't know people as well. They're new. Maybe their English is not so strong. Maybe they're shy. Maybe they're socially awkward. Maybe they don't quite smell like peppermints. Maybe they're weird. I don't know. But you know what would make that party a Jesus-themed party? Is if you and I were to give special attention to the person on the margin. Love them, include them, engage them. Say, excuse me, I need to go love somebody. I think if Jesus was to attend a party in which people were doing that, he would say, that's my kind of party. I love this party. Yes. You guys thought of me when you planned this party. Let's go back at Luke 14 and keep, keep studying this party that Jesus is at. Verse 7, when Jesus noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable, right? When Jesus notices how people are picking the places of honor at the table, he's like, oh man, these guys need a story. He says this, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not Take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. And if so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. And then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. 
and then you will be honored in the presence of all other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And he's just noticing this in terms of how people are choosing their seats at the party. So he tells them this parable at this wedding. Now, at every wedding that I've ever been to, the front rows are reserved for the family, right? And then within the structure of the rows, there's an expectation that the parents of the bride and groom are gonna be sitting at the inmost seat in the front row. Isn't that how weddings work? Now, let's just imagine a scenario in which like a second cousin that they barely know sits where the mother of the bride should be? Or what about if a coworker who barely got invited to the wedding takes the seat reserved for the mother of the groom? And then when they try to move that coworker, he argues, hey, I was here first and I'm really important. I'm keeping my seats. That'd be terrible, right? Then at the reception, at the, at the wedding reception, there's always a head table with the bride and groom and the wedding party are those are reserved seats. But imagine if somebody's plus one boyfriend wanders up to the head table and steals a seat from a bridesmaid so that he can sit at the head table. How awkward would it be for the bride and the groom to have to be like, hey, dude, I don't even know who you are, but like, could you please sit in the back, man? This is not cool, right? Jesus points out how humiliating it would be if we're like trying to puff ourselves up, why am I so important? And then we have to get moved back down. He says, you know, wouldn't it be better at the party if you just took a humble posture and let other people lift you? Wouldn't that be better? Then you're, you're honored instead of humiliated and the difference is, are you exalting yourself or not? Now, why does he tell the stories? Because he's literally at a party He's kind of bummed out by how everyone's trying to promote themselves, right? Everyone's trying to take the best seats, trying to posture to puff themselves up. And Jesus is so not into that. Now, can we learn from this and, and, and apply it beyond, beyond just thinking about seats to other kinds of behavior? How else do we sometimes, when we're not at our best, start to maybe puff ourselves up at parties and gatherings? Do we show off our best clothes or do we try to stand near the people we think are important? Do we flaunt our wealth? Do we talk about our grand accomplishments? Do we try to one-up each other with stories that make ourselves look cool, successful, and important? There's this comedian that I love named Brian Regan who has just this incredible routine where he's talking about exactly this, that awkward social interaction at these parties and how sometimes people get a little too obsessed with themselves. Let's, let's roll this clip. Hey, everybody in the live stream. I uh, can't show you the video for copyright reasons, but I'm gonna do my best at doing the impression of this comedian, Brian Regan, that I think is so funny. He has this bit uh, about me monsters, and he describes a scene in which he's at a, a party and everyone's making small talk, and uh, just some people are just talking about themselves. We've probably all experienced this. And he does this impression of this guy who's talking, and it just sounds to Brian like this. Me, myself, I, none, none brighter than I. And then me, myself, I couldn't tell anyone about it because me, then me, me, and then he does this crazy thing with his mouth. He's like, me. And he says, beware the me monster.
And he talks about everyone's just one-upping each other. We all know though what that's like. Anybody ever been at a party and you encountered the me monster? Anybody ever accidentally been the me monster? Sometimes this happens. He goes on later at the end of the routine to talk about the way in which people sadly like uh, uh, one up each other. And I want to just show you one more, one more clip. So a little bit later in uh, Brian Regan's bit, he describes the way people try to just one up each other at these parties. And, you know, someone is telling a story and then someone uh, jumps in and says, that's nothing, man. I have a way better story. And they try to one up you. Like if you tell a story about, oh, I had two wisdom teeth pulled. Someone's going to say, no, that's nothing. I had four wisdom teeth pulled. I had seven. He says, at best, they just wait for your lips to stop moving. And then they're like, you, you, you. Okay, no, me. You know, there's me. This is you. Do you see the difference? Um, he tells us he has this social fantasy that he wishes that he was one of the 12 astronauts who have walked on the moon. That way, he could beat everyone else's story. And he imagines he would just sit uh, over by the food, eating some bean dip, waiting while everyone gets done with their bragging. And then he can just casually drop at the end. He's like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I walked on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be grace, right? I walked on the moon. Why is it that we're in these gatherings, we feel the need to be interesting when what people need the most is for us to be interested in them? This whole uh, one-upsmanship, uh, my, my roommates in college and I noticed that people would often uh, start it with the phrase, that's nothing, man. And so we started the that's nothing, man game. Whenever we would kind of hear something like that, we'd jump in and say, that's nothing, man, and tell a less impressive story. <laughs> and then the other guy would be like, that's nothing, man, you know, uh, and get even lower <laughs> to be absurd. Right? Someone would be like, this is the greatest storm. I've seen the greatest storm in the world. We'd be like, that's nothing, man. I took a shower this morning. We're like, that's nothing, man. The faucet is leaking. We'd go the other way. Let's see if we can apply what we learn at Jesus when he's talking about the seats and people puffing themselves up in the way that we posture with our conversations. And I suggest the most powerful way to love someone at a party is to listen to them, with, express genuine interest in who they are and what they say. I think if Jesus attended a Christmas party and everyone was intently listening to each other, respecting each other, expressing love to each other in a selfless way, I think he would say, man, this party is awesome. I love this. I'm so glad that you invited me to this party. But if everyone is being a me monster and saying, that's nothing, man, I think Jesus would say, this party is lame. Even if we say his name a lot. Let's go back to the party that Jesus was at one more time to see what he, looks at, what he likes at parties. Luke 14, 12. So then Jesus said to the host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors if you do, they may invite you back so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, 
the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, does this mean we need to go quickly call all of our relatives and neighbors and disinvite them to the party? Now, I don't think that's our best move here, no. I think the spirit here is to draw our attention to the people that are usually left out. And in this case, he tells us in his environment, the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, they, they usually get left out the party invitation lists. People like this man who had this swelling probably didn't get invited. They're people who get forgotten in party season. Who might that be in our community? Who might be lonely or left out at Christmas time? Do you know anyone who's like a widow or a widower and they might be really missing their spouse? Do they have a place to go at Christmas? Do you know anyone who moved here from far away and it's too expensive for them to travel to see their family? Will they be alone this Christmas? Is there anyone who's stuck in a hospital? Is there anyone who's in jail? Is there anyone who's estranged from their family? Might you be willing to invite them to join you in your home? Or maybe are you willing to swing by and visit them and drop off a plate of cookies or some fudge or pie, which you can make right after the service, <laughs> and say, I thought of you this Christmas, and I just wanted to have this moment to encourage you and to just, and just be with you and just bring you this pie. I think if Jesus saw that happen, he'd be like, this, this is a great party. That's exactly who I would have invited to this party. When I, was, um, when I was a kid, we used to always, I mean, we'd have like multiple Christmases. We'd have our own immediate family Christmas, and then we'd go to the Robin side, and then we'd go to the Brit side, and, and, um, and we'd have different Christmases, and kind of similar with Thanksgiving. We're usually at my, my grandma uh, Robin's house for Thanksgiving, and particularly at, the, at that Robin's grandparents' table for Thanksgiving and Christmas, as a kid, I always thought it was weird because there was like all the family I expected to be there. And then there's just a few random old people. I don't know who these people are, right? I'm like, like who, who, are, the, who are these guys? Who, 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 who's that lady? I, I, I don't know this person, right? But I came to learn, you know, my, my, my father, I mean, my grandfather was uh, really involved in veterans of foreign wars. And uh, he knew a lot of people that were um, old war veterans that had lost their spouse or never been married, uh, some of them who really struggled with uh, uh, PTSD. Um, he, he knew a lot of women who'd lost their husbands. Just, he was just connected to a lot of people. He actually, um, I get emotional when I think about this, but um, he did a big campaign, like always, uh, to gather Christmas baskets, to go and deliver to people who'd be alone uh, or people who maybe didn't, weren't able to afford to, to have a celebration. And I, I remember one of my most distinct memories of my, my grandpa had this really kind of thick accent and, and he would, he would just tell us endless stories about him negotiating at, a, at the grocery store, you know, to get more turkeys. He's like, he tried to charge me $5 a turkey. I said, what's the matter with you, man? This is a Christ for Christmas baskets. 
So he gave me 100 turkeys for free, you know. He was this great negotiator to make these Christmas baskets, and he and his friends would go around and deliver them to people's houses. But in doing this, he would always know of a few people that were just really going to be alone. And he would say, hey, would you come celebrate with me and my family? We'd love to have you at our table. There's plenty of room for you. Now, mind you, some of us kids then got displaced to the kid table in the kitchen. (laughs) But there's plenty of space for them. And they'd be there. And you know what? They were the happiest people to be there. They just thought it was so amazing that they got to be there at the table, that they got to be there in the room, that someone loved them enough to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, you're not, you're not imposing. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you at this party. And you know what? I think, I think about Jesus. What I learn about Jesus throughout the pages of the Gospels, I think that's a more beautiful thing than us just simply saying his name a lot. You know? I think Jesus looks back to those dinner parties, and I think he'd say that. That's my kind of party. And finally this, different gospel, different time. Matthew 18, verse 20. Where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So I want to leave you with this final thought to keep in mind that actually Jesus will be at your Christmas party. If you do gather in his name, and maybe a little bit more than just kind of naming the name, but to actually gather in his name, to actually, this is for Jesus. He'll come. And he'll be there in your midst. Is there a moment that you could pause this Christmas in your celebration to acknowledge the presence of Christ? It's a family tradition that was passed down multiple generations uh, that we practice. I'll just commend it to you. On Christmas morning, we don't just rush in and start opening the presents. We pause and we wait. And we gather around an Advent wreath like this and we read the scripture, we read the story, uh, usually from Luke chapter two. And we read a little bit of the Christmas story. We light the candles and reflect on the hope, peace, joy, and love that Christ brings to our lives. We sing a few Christmas carols. We say a prayer welcoming Christ to our midst and thanking Jesus for his incredible gift for us. I just commend that practice to you, that you might just pause and take a moment to say, Jesus, I know that you're here. This party, the celebration, the gift giving, it's all in your honor. We love you. We thank you for your gift. May you be praised. Amen. Let's party like Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you just for how awesome you are. So how, how different from so much that we experience in this world. We, we praise you. Lord, we praise you for the way that you are partying through City Team and through that work there, extending love and grace to, to so many. We just pray that you would, you would guide us. We pray that you would just be honored by us in the next week. In Jesus' name, amen. I love this church. It's so great to be with you. Hey, I uh, just invite you to stand. I got a few invitations, and then I'll send you out with a, a blessing. Um, 
If you'd like prayer for any reason, we are here for you. We have a prayer team right here, and uh, just come up, and uh, they would love to uh, pray for you. Uh, if you'd like to know more about City Team and its uh, ministry, um, uh, the chapel right over there, and Hermie will be over there, and he'd love to meet you. If you would like to take up the challenge to, uh, to just ex- extend some love to some people, either by visiting them or having them over, uh, a great way to do that is we've got this party afterwards to help you prepare for that. You can make a pie, fudge, cookies. You don't know, even know, you don't have to know how to do it. They'll teach you. They'll show you. And, um, and you can either bake it here or take it home and bake it later. So check out, that's happening in the social hall. If any of you are hungry or thirsty now, there's coffee and muffins out there for you. Uh, really grateful, uh, grateful for all of you. We hope to see you again uh, next week. Uh, come in the morning, and uh, DJ is going to preach an amazing sermon in the morning. And then Christmas Eve, it's going to be candles. <laughs> and like performance. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> just kidding. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. So uh, God bless you guys. Uh, hear now this, this blessing. May the, may, may the God who loves you, may the God who, who adores you, Make his presence known to you this Christmas. May you feel the love of God. May may you look at the manger and say, wow, you loved me this much. You loved me this much to come. May, May just how he came to the world, may he come into your life and into your family, into your household, to your neighborhood. May you know the love of Jesus Christ. And may we party like Jesus. Amen.